Welcome back to the Work in Progress podcast brought to you by Work Nicer. On this episode, Alex and Gabe chat with Calvary Hospitality powerhouse Chad McCormick. Take a listen. Welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. My name is Alex. Uh, Gabe is here to my right, as you can hear. Hello. And uh, we're here with a very special guest, a friend of mine, Chad. Chad, say hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. So, um, Chad, we're going to dive right into this. Uh, work in progress is what the podcast is called. Uh, we don't really know what exactly we're doing with it, uh, but we know that um, over the years, some of the most impactful moments, lessons, whatever it is uh, that we've experienced have come from great conversations with great people. And so... Uh, let's let's give them a bit of context for, for Chad. I mean... Sure. Yeah. Chad's, Chad's a great guy. Alex and I both met him through this uh, charitable organization, 100 men who give a damn. But, uh, but Chad is so much more than just... Uh, just I'm the Chad. <laughs> the, the Chad. So give them some context, Alex, so they know who they're listening to. Chad, um, yeah, met him through 100 men who give a damn, um, which is a really neat little local organization look it up and a neat story to their to our meet and greet on there but yes carry on um an absolute powerhouse of a human being he knows so much information seems to uh just be doing so much stuff never ever ever seems stressed worked up uh he's one of the most stoic people that i know chad is a partner in the t-mac uh pub group or restaurant group in town that own nine or 10 of the uh, neighborhood pubs around town, including the Bank and Barron. You know, you've started up two or three different companies even in the last 18 months during the pandemic. And yeah, you're just interested in everything, generally curious, and you sell chickens out of the back of your truck (laughs) to raise money (laughs) for local stuff. At least today. He is. How's that? Yeah, today I'm a chicken seller. <laughs> awesome. Because right. there is, you know, other problems in BC, so we end up with uh, a need for chickens. So yeah, true. Yeah. I guess you know, owning some restaurants and stuff like that. You've been selling chickens for a while, but uh, a little, yeah. little, little different venue this time. Yeah. Back of your van or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little bit colder. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Chad, one thing I honestly don't know, like we've had some great chats and, you know, as much as we haven't spent tons and tons and tons of time together, I feel like I've always really enjoyed our conversations and we talk about a whole bunch of great, awesome stuff. But I really don't know the like origin story of, of Chad. Where did it start? What was your first venture? Are you f- from here? What's the deal? So, you know, and you can go as... Uh, detailed as you want on that but like really like how did this start that's a how long's the podcast uh, yeah Whatever. i uh, <laughs> uh born and raised in calgary so i've been here uh, yep uh, i just had my 50th birthday in october so oh nice that's how many years and uh yeah easy math there and uh, yeah no it started uh, really in the world of uh, business uh, Rogers video back in the day uh, for for some that are old enough and uh, yeah. back when you used to you know rent videotapes and then uh, moved to Dairy Queen and uh, I can still probably outdo most of the kids today I'm putting a swirl on a cone so that's one of my uh, claims to fame so wait hold on 
Were you you were working there or you you ran those? I like was you, you thirteen making three eighty five an hour. I oh, was yeah. uh, I was slave labor back then for yep. sure. Three eighty five. Yeah. yeah, and I was pumped. They were big dollars. So <laughs> that was uh, those are good days. Yeah, my first four twenty five was my was my first year start point. Really? Yeah, five ninety yeah. for me. And then I remember I got this job at Princess Auto, and all my friends were so jealous because it paid nine ten an hour. <laughs> no, whoa, <laughs> like, that was a big deal back then. That was a huge deal back then. For me, I discovered the power of commission early on, mm. and and how to outperform others and make some money by actually hustling, know, hustling exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, all right, so continue. Dairy Queen, and then so Dairy Queen. Um, I uh, then went out to a golf course in Valley Ridge at the time, way back, and uh, did everything there from weeding to sand trapping, run the little cart that does those, and uh, then into plumbing and understanding how all of that works out there and digging holes and ditches. And uh, that led me to construction where we were building fences and decks and homes and hospitals and all that sort of world. And uh, then when I was 18, I started the Point and Feather in Oak Ridge. And that just, I went from kind of a, a, a nerd, if you say in school, or the guy that, uh, you know, everybody knew, but nobody wanted to hang out with to, uh, <laughs> to this guy in a bar. And, and it was a whole new world for me. So it just kind of, I thrived on it. I just lit up and uh, I've been there ever since. So, wow. yeah. So, yeah. So you started the point and feather no i started working there oh, okay. uh, my that uncle was... uh, who's uh, one of the major owners with my other partner is uh, he's been there for 35 plus years as ownership so crazy yep um yep. simple as that yeah simple as that and and when i started the point uh, we had a, a a gm owner there uh who we eventually uh, eventually found out was you know potentially stealing money in large amounts uh, so as my four or five years of working there, uh, she never wanted me to get to any sort of management level. Mm. So I worked my butt off from the back door at the kitchen all the way just to making busboy and never could get on the bar. But I made more money busing because the girls didn't have to do anything. Uh, <laughs> hardly back then you used to smoke at the till back in the day. So, you know, they just, yeah. And but I couldn't go anywhere because the manager was just like, no, you're not quite ready, you know. But she was just protecting herself from me possibly seeing anything. And uh, so through that, I just learned, you know, every trick of the trade, trying to get better, trying to do everything else. And uh, yeah, so it was a, I didn't understand why I couldn't move up, but afterwards. Embezzlement. Yeah. <clears throat> Turns out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But then so, I went traveling after that. I went to Thailand, Malaysia, Thailand, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Australia, six months. And that opened my door, uh, my mind up to more that I wanted to do in hospitality again because of seeing the world of hospitality over there and came back to business admin marketing. Uh, originally, I went for electronic engineering, mm. which was the wrong choice for me. <laughs> but I didn't learn that until the last class. <laughs> and, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then started the Kilton Caber. So the Kilton Caber would have been my first personal venture. Uh, and that was after you came back from traveling. Yep. So, okay. I'd love to chat about that. I've always thought, and I think a lot of people who travel agree with this, but, um, I don't think there's anything better than travel to just open your mind, worldview, perception, true understanding of other people's and walks of life and, and whatever. 
and Gabe, I know you've done a ton of traveling. Yeah. Um, and so I love that you said that. So what on that journey, like you said, it opened your mind to what the possibilities specifically in hospitality, like what? Well, I think what I liked about it the most was just um, the interaction with people. When you're seeing people come from all different walks of life wherever you're traveling and you don't know where they're coming from or what their problems were, but it doesn't really matter. You're just there in that moment. And I think that's where I learned the most about hospitality of being just a moment and uh, and sharing that moment and understanding that gratitude and hospitality are one in the same to be honest it's just a matter of where you put them but mm. uh so when i came back i was just super pumped to uh to try and open up my own restaurant and that was the kilton caber so do you think that it like it was so you would say it was that experience that made you want to to dive into an actual actual like a longer term career in hospitality versus the experience that you had prior to traveling no, I get you. It was probably collaboration. So it was probably, yeah, the uh, um, uh, getting the exposure to it, then going traveling and then coming back and, and knowing that I wanted, I put myself through school the second time to take my business admin marketing at SAIT because I wanted to understand business better. And then while I was going through that process, uh, found a location and got my partnership from the Kilton Caber originally, uh, still today. And they uh, helped fund back, build, train do everything to help me uh get it going but it definitely was after Who the did? trip Sate uh, did uh no my partnership from the original one with my uncle and Got it. Uh, so kilton caber and so you started that and it was your partners so were they actually partners in it or did they just they they funded you and it was your thing or what was it yeah, they funded and uh helped design and build and all that uh initial part and then it, they uh, pretty much stepped back from that at that point and it was a bit of a sink or swim on my end and uh there was three four years of solid sinking that's for sure and uh yeah well, yeah and when yeah. did you start that that would have been uh 99 crazy because kilton caber is part of the group right mm -hmm. and so that that's what started this whole thing yeah so right. it started at the point and then the kilt would have been the first extension of oh yeah yeah well, and tell me about the at the outset, were you thinking like, oh, this is going to be my next gig? Or were you like, hey, I am going to be a restaurateur. This is my calling. This is what I'm doing with my life. Is, is that how it went? I, you know, I, I think looking back, I was, uh, so when I, to put it in perspective, I, I was going to look at the deal to, to even get the lease on the Kilton Caber. And my wife, now girlfriend, then was living with, her roommate had, um, her dad was the uh, property uh, leasing guy for all of Karma uh, at the time or where Mackenzie Town is. And so she says to her girlfriend, my boyfriend's looking for a pub. They own the kill or they own the point and feather. They want to do a pub. Her, she talks to her dad. Her dad has their broker phone me and say, come on in. We'd like to talk to the point and feather group. Now, I'm not the Point and Feather group. I'm a bartender stretched from right. halfway through my schooling at business marketing. But you were that day, right? You're like, that sure. day, <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we go down to Sun Life Towers, eighth floor. Uh, the table's probably 30 feet long, seats 30 people. He's got paper spread out everywhere. Here's the future plans. Here's the, like, I mean, there's three houses there right now. There's nothing when we were there, right? It was just wow. dirt. 
And uh, so he's rolling all this stuff out and throwing numbers at me and, uh, you know, square footage and time frame. And I'm just like, in my mind, all I can think is I've got a bundle of fives I've saved up from tips in my underwear drawer. I don't know how much it is, but it's got to be two, three hundred bucks for sure. I got a hundred bucks in the in the bank account. Yeah, I don't know what this is going to cost me by the end of this meeting, but I hope I got enough, right? Mm-hmm. And I think at that moment, uh, Kevin Deeks was the broker at the time, and he's reading this white on my face, going, "He's like, you understanding this? I'm like, I don't have a clue what you just said." <laughs> And so you pull out your roll of bills. Yeah. Like, how many square well, feet were this by me? I was going to have to go get them. And I was going to say, I'll have to pay you later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he said, give them to your partners and uh, they'll know what to do. And, and yeah, graciously three months later, we got a deal struck. So obviously uh, yeah, yeah. that's how far I I, 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 I was so happy after I said to Michael, I go, here you go. You've got a brand new bar. Go enjoy it. And he's like, nope, it's going to be yours. So uh, at that point, that was as far as my, yeah. Uh, future thoughts had gone was step one yeah yeah that's awesome yeah. i actually really like the stories of people who just like decide to step into an arena that they've you know they've <laughs> zero preparation for anything I, I was i read actually a really good book it was interesting it was called freedom's forge and it was about these these um three entrepreneurs that that, that basically uh fueled the whole um world war ii manufacturing efforts Right. Mm. And so one of them was Henry Kaiser and, and Henry Kaiser just like took on some some road paving contracts in, in Victoria, B.C. without knowing a thing about paving roads. <laughs> you know? I just loved that. Seems simple. Right. Yeah. Oh. Just laid out how hard could it be? But he won the contract and he's just like, I'm going to do it. And he and he was fine. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and it's like because um, if people knew what they were really getting into, they just wouldn't do it most of the time. Yeah. Right, I think so many people will do the research and they get freaked out and they're like, "Well, I gotta, I, I gotta learn all this so I can go into this meeting and prepare, and I gotta go and like, you know, uh, build a website and a brand and a logo and figure out what is my mission and vision and values and all that stuff." And like, nah, they <laughs> still, they still get it wrong. Or, or <laughs> you're guess, like, guess or you're wrong. like, I got some frozen chickens in the back <laughs> of my truck. You Twenty want, bucks. You want, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy some? Oh, I love yeah. it. I think even. Even with WorkNate, sir, everybody's like, "Yeah, so you, you know, you probably looked at WeWork before you started." And I'm like, "I'm like, no, no." And if I did, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're like, "What did your business plan look like? How about your financial model?" You're yeah. like, "Well, uh. like I still don't have those." Yeah, <laughs> aren't you guys doing better than WeWork? Yeah, well, I think <laughs> we've made uh, more than zero, so <laughs> yeah, not yeah. much more. But, but <laughs> yeah, but Uber's at zero and. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know. you are like magnitudes greater in profitability than they are. <laughs> there was a time where they were losing. Oh, this is something I need to fact check. But it was something crazy. It was like it was like two hundred thousand dollars an hour, or something. Wow. Something like that. They had leased some crazy spaces. I could wild. I could come up with some way more interesting business ideas that could lose two hundred thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> God, right. <laughs> <laughs> have a lot more fun doing it like uh bonfires yeah like <laughs> like burning 100 you know thousand dollar like cash wads exactly yeah yeah at burning man yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh my god have you been to burning man no you i did want to go as i say you've seen we were tempted to go a couple years go. ago but yeah but you uh, didn't go didn't it didn't pan out all right so then yeah. you you open this pub 
and it's in partnership with your uncle and uh yeah greg taylor another major partner and then another third party we just we're not parted with anymore but yeah, yeah. all right and then what you said it, it it was a tough few you were sinking for a few years to start yeah when we opened uh, when we opened the pub there was uh i think 1300 people in the community and i would say today to make a pub work you need about 20,000 people so wow. we were a bit <laughs> bit off the mark of but it was early days and karma was building at that time now it's now brookfield uh, but they were building a uh, forward-thinking concept where you bring the um, leasing and all the shopping center in first and the community will follow uh, but the problem was is the economy in 99 to 2003 the housing market wasn't moving that fast uh, down in that area but oh three oh four uh i'll never forget i had a meeting with uh the partnership group they pulled me aside they said chad we're losing money every day essentially it's just a matter of cents or dollars or whatever it is every day and uh we can't continue so you you know we have a short period of time i can't remember if it was three months or six months and then we'll just fold up we'll we'll pull, pull the pin and uh that'll be it we won't we won't do the pub anymore and I that sinking feeling was so decimating because that's all I knew was mm. that pub that I had and and I th I thought that was my life at that point obviously and that's all I had and everything else and and um, I mean I worked 20 hours a day for three years without many breaks and um, loved it though I mean I wouldn't have traded it but at that same token what more can you do like you're just there every day and without uh, supply of, of people coming there's not much more you could do but uh, so what did you do well I just oh four was a bit of the change the the housing market moved uh, people started buying houses uh, flames went on a run uh, mm -hmm. we were very uh, fortunate to have most uh, the flames live in McKinsey Lake area which was not very far so we had the likes of Martin St. Louis King and King King uh, every player came in all the time um, and they were all great people to have come in and Craig Conray was uh, also very instrumental in in the pub he loved uh, loved the pub and what we were doing and uh, and then during the uh, the flames run uh, in 04 um, it was just massive people just flocked to the pub and kind of realized what the purpose of a pub was and just to be in a community and share it so Oh four on, uh, we were gangbusters. So it's awesome. Just launched it. So it yep. just happened to me in the same time frame. It's so you, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's a quick point. I, I went to met up with some buddies at the pub in the center of Tuscany, and the last straw. The last straw. Also partnered in. Yes. Oh, is that your pub? Yeah, I'm a partner in it. Silent. Oh. Yeah. So here's what's you know I'll tip my hat to you on that one. Like that is a pub. <clears throat> where the community has like truly embraced that pub like yeah th that place is packed right and yeah and that community is just like that is their that is their cheers it is yep. pretty impressive yeah and we built that one so in collaboration with building the kilton caber was the same landowner did tuscany so because of the success of the kilt when it did start getting launched uh we had the opportunity to build up there got it yeah so that would have been our third location. So you're partnered in that, but different than TMAC. Yeah. Got it. Oh, yeah, okay. That's crazy. Yeah. Got crazy, it. Crazy, crazy. Some side hustles. I get it. 
It's what it's all about these days. You got to level up whenever that takes, I guess. I don't know. So, so um, to paraphrase and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying when we said, so what changed or what made it or what, what broke, you know, and you're, you said all this stuff. Oh, for housing market flames went on a run. Flames were coming in. Um, it sounded like you're kind of like, well, we got lucky. I think it wasn't, I don't believe that. I think it was everything we were doing. We were working really hard day and night, um, providing the best service we could at that time. We, you know, uh, different circumstances in different periods. And, uh, but yeah, I tried everything I could. So anything I thought was gonna make a dollar, um, I realized early on that I only had 10% of the company. So if this, trying this event or this band or this, whatever trying to uh, create a, an environment for the pub if it cost a thousand dollars i knew that would cost me a hundred dollars mm-hmm. so did i have that value uh was that worth a hundred dollars to me or not and, and if it was i'd go for it if it wasn't then i would not do it but um that's kind of how i risk rewarded what we were doing and and after the years of trying everything and not succeeding i think it was just a matter of time that it finally overlapped and a lot of the little things that we were doing right just then clicked over and totally yep yeah. See, just I love the, that. the landslide that, happened and that's it and that's why i asked because yeah. i think it's you know you hear it and you're like yeah you know eventually it just worked out and but prior to that you said that you were working 20 hours a day right yep. and i think a lot of people hear that story like yeah entrepreneurs work so hard but like you were actually working mm-hmm. 20 hours a day right like yeah that's just wild. And yeah. so, yeah, eventually, like, so that's the thing. It is all that stuff that you were doing. And so, um, good answer. Yeah. And, and I think just like you talked about, you know, in our last episode, Alex was just, we were talking about failure and stuff like that. And Alex was just talking about, you know, for him, it's just a matter of staying in the game. And I think that if you do stay in the game long enough, I, I think that labor produces value, right? Inherently. And if you are working your butt off, that, um, that you're kind of the house, you know, the odds are stacked in your favor if you're working hard, right? Labor produces value. Sometimes we we spend labor in areas that produces zero value. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly guilty of that quite often, you know, (laughs) but but yeah, I think for most people listening, if you're working hard and you are able to just stay in the game long enough, like, you know, nature has a way of just bending to that force of will and, and, uh, and work and labor, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's the cliche saying, but like the harder the work you work, the luckier you get and so on and so forth. And it is true. I think that does get rewarded. And I mean, it doesn't mean that you can just throw, you know, like suffering at something until it like works. But like you still got to be smart. But yeah, I think I think it does. It does pull it together. So that, you know, that was that kind of got you here. So now you got this chain, you know, what's, what's the future look like? You know, what's, what gets you excited about, you know? Well, and back to your, your just point a moment ago, it kind of leads back to, uh, are you busy or productive? And uh, Hmm. so when you're looking at the time that you're choosing to do things, if you are, um, if you can lie to yourself and just go, man, I am so productive today. You can't, I mean, if you're sitting there doing nothing, you, you know it. And so, uh, so I attempt to try and be productive and whether that's through, curiosity or critical thinking or sitting on uh, different panels and boards and being a part of uh, the AHA association with Ernie and trying to help with any problems that come out that way. 
Uh, I also sit on a business advisory committee with the city task force to try and understand how business is impacted with what the city does, whether that's a taxation or a relaxation or whatever it is. And then I also sit on the 17th Avenue uh, business revitalization zone to try and understand how that market operates and how they can get 567 businesses to stay afloat on that avenue. So those uh, those keep me going, obviously, with a lot of uh, different components. But in that, you know, I just love learning. So I'm with you on that. I love to learn as well. Mm -hmm. I, I could I could if I could do nothing but I would do that. But um, but those all seem very purpose driven. I mean, is that is that really what fires you up? Is just kind of those purpose driven things? Um, about three years ago, went to a seminar and the guy that was with Simon Sinek, and I'm sure you've looked up the golden rule or have you or yeah, seen yeah. it or, so this was early days, might've been even four years ago. Um, and he spoke of the golden rule and understanding the why, what, how, and, um, it struck me at that time, but it took me a while to figure out and. I would say that I've now determined my why is to connect, share, and grow so that altruistically I can positively Im impact others to connect, share, grow their world. Mm. So when my feet hit the floor, whether that's dealing with my kids or my family uh, or a business or whatever I'm doing, if, if it falls into, for me, the, the ability to connect, share, or grow, I can totally see it as either a win for myself or a win for the other person or whoever we're connecting with. And as long as there's some um, advantage to either one of us in that, then uh, I'm happy to invest time in trying to figure that out. And, and it, it becomes very apparent if there isn't anything there for either side, then it's uh, sorry, next kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that, that's what gets me going. So if, uh, you know, if I'm raising all boats or burning all of them, it's <laughs> whatever we got to do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the burning of the boats is the real, when that happens, uh, yeah, you're stuck on an island and it's, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you just filter your decision-making through that. Does this connect, share, grow for me or this other person? Yeah. And then determining if it's mutual or if it's one-sided. And that for me falls all the way back to hospitality, which mm -hmm. is really what I, I am all about. So some people believe in love, some God, I believe in hospitality. So, <laughs> Wow. Cool. So then, interesting. So how does that play out day to day? Because you do a lot of stuff. Like the stuff you just talked about is, I'm sure, only some of the stuff that you're up to. Um, how how does that, how do you do that? How do you stay organized? How do you measure that? Like how do you filter that decision making because you also do this all I don't think you have like an assistant or anything right you're just no so I'm like what does that look like day to day it's probably hairy for some if you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when you go in an office and there's piles everywhere uh -huh. well I've got that I, I don't really do piles but that's probably what it looks like internally to me and, and I know where everything is it's just a matter of do I have the ability to grab the right sheet at the right time but yeah, for the most part, it's just. Uh, are, sorry, was that literal? Like, are you literally a paper guy? 
No. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a notebook though. No. So I do. Yeah. I was no. just I was no. like, I'm like, was this analogy or? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably what it looks like in my head to other Got people it. is these piles and piles of uh, yeah. hoarding of paperwork. But uh, yeah. So. And do you ever feel like you are behind or you don't get back to stuff or stuff just goes ignored? If it's, if it's not the priority, it'll just eventually fade away. Or, yeah, or I hate uh, I hate losing track of some things, and that is one thing I have been working on is trying to um, coordinate that better with connecting with people as well as the business and um, keeping track of what's but going on. Let's just be honest: balance is a lie. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's not a real thing. No. You know, anyone who thinks they're getting balanced in your life, I'm sorry, good luck. Right. Yep. And and so yeah, basically for most of us, I think we're just working on either the most important thing to us right now or the most urgent thing to us right now. And sometimes things don't get the attention it needs or we committed to or whatever it is, right? But that's just I've gonna happen. I've never seen that. Like you are always fast to respond, you're timely, yeah, I don't know. I've just like well, if I miss something, then it can fall way down quick. So mm. for me, the faster I stay on top of things to respond, then it's less that I have to try and recover from later if uh, totally things do fall behind. So. 100%. But, but know. it all falls back to, you know, can you change it? So when you're going through something, can you change the moment? Can you change the outcome? Can you change what's about to happen or what did happen? And if you can't, you can't. Like, that's it. Like, let it go. There's nothing you can do with it. Mm. And, and the, the quicker you can discern that moment and go, nothing I can do about it. Like, you can either enjoy the moment or, or hate it, but it's just a moment. Unless, unless I'm not disagreeing with you yeah. entirely. Sounds, sounds like you are. <laughs> entirely. Entirely, yeah. But unless, <clears throat> unless it does take, you know, a bit of self-reflection on what happened and so that you can write some, you know, emotional if then rule in your soul so that if things were to look similar at some point in the future that you you have this, you know, inherent if then rule, I'm, you know, I'm going to operate this way next time. Yeah, I wish that was true. But when you don't understand the 150 biases that are automatically going in your head, as in we're talking right now, but it's a sub-language of, of what human language is. Because if I say the word coconut, you don't see the word coconut spelt out. You see a coconut or a margarita or a Mai Tai or a coconut on a tree. or You see an image. Right. And so when you see that image, your bias is of a coconut in a tree. And if I say it in another language, it doesn't matter. It's a coconut wherever it is. So you're going to remember that moment. So to reflect on it and remember it and spend time and be busy or non-productive on it. What's the point? Right. It's in there. Okay. It's in there. If, if, if it's important enough, you're going to remember when that time comes up, your brain's going to go, Oh yeah, we've got a filter for that one. Got it. That All wasn't right. good. That wasn't good. That hurt. Yeah. And That's if it true. doesn't, if it doesn't impact you again, then obviously it, it wasn't enough at the time or prepared for the same outcome again down there. Got road. it. So you're saying that the emotional imprint is there whether or not I spend brain power on it or not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can take that. Yeah. That's how I'd look at it. Interesting. So, no, so 
talking about something that's not coconuts. So cancel culture, like any word that's trying to be canceled right now or anything, it what's the point? Like if you say the word, it's still an image in my mind. I can't I can't erase that. And it's the same image or relatively the similar to anyone else's mm-hmm. emotional experience of whatever that word was. You can change the word or get rid of it, but it's still there. Mm. So we're right. not canceling anything. Gotcha. You know? so, okay. And like, are you referring to like, you know, PC culture, you know, politically correct, like ch- changing Something words? Something that's been around for a hundred years and you just think by not saying that word or that moment anymore, doesn't mean it's not there. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I think you'd be better to not celebrate it, but celebrate it negatively if that was the way kind of thing and, and say, this is what it represents. This is why we t- try not to use that word um, as opposed to just cancel it. Hmm. or throw red paint on things for right or wrong reasons. But yeah, I don't think the impact's the same. Hmm. So then what does that mean in a, let's say day-to-day basis? Cause this kind of started saying, it's like when you're going through something, you know, you said you can change the moment or, or if you, you know, can you change the outcome? Can you change what happened? And if you can't let it go. So then what does that mean to you in a day-to-day? Like, okay, you, cause I think a lot of people do tend to, to dwell on the what ifs whether that's like in the moment, what if, Mm -hmm. or just after, whether that's a trial, difficulty, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? So then how do you practically go and do that? How do you learn? Is that learned behavior? Is that supernatural to you or what? Can I just insert something real fast? I just, so just, you know, we're on, you say, Chad is super stoic, one of the most stoic people you know. Is that a, is that a deliberate, like, is that a, would you define yourself that way? Like, are you a Seneca and Marcus Aurelius student? And, you know, are you studying stoicism and and modeling your life after that? Probably not modeling my life after it, but in understanding of that world, it does probably lay hand in hand with kind of how I operate. But uh, it's not necessarily intentional, but it seems to be co-aligned a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, the obstacle is the way for sure. So if there's an obstacle in your way and you go around it, you're going to end up on a path that was originally where the obstacle was going anyway. So either you roll or mush or move the obstacle to get onto that path, meaning you have to go through the difficult time or find a hard path through what's difficult, or you go around it and end up further down the same wrong path eventually so it's a matter of deciding at that moment what do you want to do like do you just do you want to take the easy path today knowing that it's going to be harder tomorrow or do you want to right go through the hard path i like that sorry i interrupted your question but i just wanted to no. know like yeah was stoicism actually like a a thing here yeah, yeah. No, no 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 problem at all so i'm just curious yeah so what is that I, I, like, I love that that's great so if somebody else is listening to this and they're saying that i want to do that i want to how how, what does that mean? What's an example? How do you, like, how? Well, it resonated with me, by the way, because I've got <laughs> one of those problems I've been trying to duck and weave and get around. Yeah. It just keeps coming back. So I got to <laughs> But look at that. all the energy you put into that. Yeah, totally. Right? Exactly. A- and the story in your head right now is wrong. Okay. Right? <laughs> Whatever outcome you think could possibly be. Sure. Might be right. Right. But there's a billion other chances it's wrong. True. So... Yeah. And, and are you going to gamble on the one that has a one in a billion chance or are you just going to go for it and then see whatever the real outcome is? See what happens. 
Yeah. And yeah. the earlier you come to the conclusion of that, the, the better, because the longer that you sit in front of this obstacle, the bigger the obstacle gets. Even though it's the same problem, it's just bigger. Right. Yeah, time has compounded its effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can't push it anymore. Yeah. Now it rolls over you and you end up hating everything you get. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Yeah. So, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a daily mission, I think, for sure, to try and... Uh, I... It's, so what, what really got me started is I, I you know, so we mentioned I, I, I quit drinking uh, 10 years ago and that was a choice because I, uh, I was told by my wife at that time it wasn't a choice. So uh, in a very great way, we were, we're married still today to each other and have a better marriage than we ever did before. And uh, so it was a matter of uh, staying with the circus, which to me was uh, 20 hour days of uh, at the bar or discovering who my family uh, wife and kids are and uh, gracious every day for family wife and kids and for a partnership that's kept the the pubs going and alive while I've uh, I had to take a step back for a bit and figure that out but uh, but in that process you know it just uh, it gets to a point where you uh, you really have to understand that your brain just keeps I'm sure you've heard the stats 60,000 thoughts a day or whatever they say. So the, your mind is continually just dropping slides in front of you and there's no, you can't filter because it's part of your fight or flight type system where it just has to always feed what you're doing next. When when someone's pushing on your hand or you're pushing on someone's hand, it's two different s- situations in your mind. So if you're grabbing a glass that's cold or hot, again, your mind has to d- go through a billion things. Like if it's hot, what do I do? If it's cold, what do I do? Once you've done it once, it knows already, it'll just do the same thing. But till that moment, you're, you really can be in a very fresh and vulnerable moment. But if you have a question in your mind and you're listening to people talk and you're like, I got a question, I got a question, I got a question, and someone's talking and talking and, and, and you don't change your question, it's the wrong question. So you, if you have a question, you know, write it down if it's a really good question because then you can let yourself still be in that moment and come back to that question later or email later or a text the next day or whatever. Uh, But be in that moment because it's far more precious to be in that exact moment with, with your mind just rolling because the next question is going to be way better anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you don't ask the question you had a minute ago and you ask this next one, the next one will be far more relevant because you've got more information. Mm -hmm. So when you can just let it flow, like don't, if it's something in your mind and you didn't say it, it'll come back to you if it's the right thing to say. I totally agree. I think that we, I think that's why you and I, at least we enjoy doing this. I think that it's just, there's not really a lot of prep that goes into this stuff, right? It's just like, but it's because well, we're... Well, it's tricky getting these cords to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can tell there's no prep going into this. We got, some, we got some fallback, but I think, yeah, I, I, I right. think I like discovering where this goes as much as, as anything, yeah. right? Like we, we bring in some interesting people and we talk about some stuff and, and try to figure out uh, you know, what, what this is going to turn into, right? But yeah, I mean, the, the nature of this show anyway, you know, the, the podcast is like just trying to highlight that we all struggle in different ways and... Um, the story, right? So I'm a marketer and I think all the time about the story, right? How, how we wrap, you know, there's certain facts and then there's the story we wrap around the facts and that generates the emotions we associate with those facts. And I, so I think about that a whole lot, but um, in, in like work in progress, 
when people find themselves at, at critical moments, just like you said, there's an obstacle there or whatever it is, there's a story wrapped around that obstacle, right? Or, or, or everything that led to that obstacle or what they think is behind that obstacle or whatever it is. Um, and I think our, our objective on this podcast is just to let people know, hey, we all struggle. We all hit, you know, it's, it, everything's a work in progress um, and we all have these challenges. And I think what I would like for listeners to get out of this is that, hey, you can flip the story around whatever your circumstances are right now and find joy in the moment, faith in the moment, excitement, you know, because of things. Um, and, you know, this is something I tell my staff all the time. There's like there's so much in life that is actually entirely made up, right? Like mm-hmm. countries are not real. Currencies are not real. Companies are not real. They all just exist on paper and well human made right yeah it's made by a human it's flawed yeah it's Mm. not only is it flawed but like legitimately you know companies are not a real thing it's it's basically we wrote it on on paper and we got people to agree to this make-believe game that we're all playing and we're like yes yes this is and countries too right so when there's so much in life that is just made up it's the best storytellers who end up winning, right? And and then the question is, okay, well, can you be the best storyteller in your own head? You know, yeah. and and uh, because that can that has power to shape reality. Yeah, and who you're listening to. Yeah, well, that's it. Like it's gonna be mostly BS that you're telling yourself. So, yep. Do you listen to it or? Well, it might as well be good BS. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Like, what is the story that we tell ourselves? And it's influenced by the stories that other people want us to believe. And, you know, basically it's all marketers fault. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is. We're we're just monetizing that skill (laughs) that that is inherent in all of us. Every day when I go to turn in the shower to cold, my body is saying, no, we're not doing it. My mind goes yes, and we go to cold. So. Do you, do you, are you a cold shower every day? Wow! Yeah, yeah. I've done it, but I'm, I'm just like you know, I. Well, I was doing it because it was supposed to like, for me anyway. My motivation was oh, it's supposed to, in, uh, spark some like fat burning, whatever. But I'm like there, yeah. there are far more comfortable ways for me to burn fat <laughs> than doing a cold shower. Why do you do it? Yeah, that was part of it. Another one is you know it's a hard thing to do. I've been doing it for three or four years and uh, still every day it's like, no, 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 and then turn it. Uh, so my body doesn't, but my mind overrides it and says, take it. Wow. And uh, so it's a hard start every day, but there is a uh, there is a start to the day. So in understanding when you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're not trying to wake up, you're trying to stop sleep. And when you're trying to go to bed at night, you're not trying to go to sleep, you're trying to stop being awake. Hmm. So there's a lot of studies that talk about that cold shower being able to flip that moment and changes your system. So if you have a cold shower before you go to bed, same thing, you'll end up having a better sleep if you um, reset your system to, to say, nope, that's the end of one cycle. Now we're moving into the next. So Interesting. Yeah. So then I'm curious, do you, you just go full cold, as cold as you can, just... I get it as hot as I can first so that when I go as cold as I can, it's a dramatic change. So it's even harder. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or or you've built up a little bit of heat and you're you're craving a little bit of cold at that point, maybe. 
Yeah, but it is cold, especially in the winter days. Oh. It gets pretty icy. I actually do tend yeah. to try and shower, like take cold showers, but I usually will start it lukewarm oh. and then gradually get colder so I can kind of get into it. But it's uh, slam it. I, I, oh. I, I think I think I, li- I need a little bit more cost benefit analysis <laughs> like pitch on this before. I like it. The, for me, it, it kind of that. It, I guess what you're saying, it's that mental shift. I, I, I never equated it to like, you know, trying to wake up versus trying to stop sleeping or, or whatever that phase or that whatever you want to call it. But it is that for me, it's that kind of wake up, but I've also never really thought of it as, Oh, let's start with the hard thing. Cause then the rest of the day might be easy. The whole eat, eat the frog thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's dopamine and all these other things that get triggered on and off of it as well. Whereas as long as you understand, I think it was Huberman lab, uh, just kind of came out in the last bit with understanding gratitude differently, but it also ties to cold showers of if someone pushes you into a cold pool or something cold, it's not the same effect because you go into fight or flight and your brain knows it. So it's like, don't die, don't die, don't die. But if you're the one turning the switch, then your brain will release all the dopamine and all the benefits that actually happen with the cold shower because you're choosing to have that. Hmm. So it's a very even though it's the same outcome. Yeah. Um, it's hmm. dramatically different response. And what time do you wake up? Depends what time I go to bed. Like I'm usually somewhere between one and four or five hours of sleep a night. So oh, if wow. I go to bed at midnight, I'm, I know I'll probably sleep till six or seven. And if I go to bed at eight o'clock, I know I'll be up at one in the morning. And, so, and that's it. Yeah. Like you, you get between one and four hours of sleep usually. And you think that that's good? No, I'd love more, but I just can't do it. It just doesn't. I'll lay there. I'll put an audio book on. I've got a bunch saved up. So I'll listen to a podcast or an audio book for a couple hours. And, hmm. yeah. Cause I've been doing a lot of thinking and a bit of reading about sleep. And it just seems like sleep is like the one thing that seems to be more important than almost anything, almost more important than like diet, exercise, any, because it's like, it's where your body recovers from any, like mentally and prepares you for the next day. And, and it, there's a lot of sleep research that seems actually now there's research that is like Alzheimer's at least is like, there's like a direct correlation to the amount of sleep that you get. If you don't get enough sleep, it's like chance of Alzheimer's way higher. Yeah, it's, but those are, those are, so, so this is the same metric with anything you hear when it's, mm-hmm. oh, so much more or, sure, you know, lately COVID is 10 times worse in this new variant, but right. it's, it's what are the two things you're measuring? So, mm-hmm. so when you look at all the Alzheimer patients and now we tested 30 of them and now we have 33, well, that percentage is big. Sure if we tested a million and now we have three, it's not big. So that's where you have to be careful because they still don't understand why we sleep. They don't understand why a bike actually works. They know that when a wheel spins, it's gravitationally straight, but they don't know why a bike actually works as a bike. They don't know why a plane flies. So Mm. when you ask that they say they know what sleep's all about, they don't know what sleep's all about. No, that's fair for sure. They have um, some concept. They have idea, and I and I would agree. I think sleep is is obviously very beneficial 
for a lot of people, I just, unfortunately, I buggered my system up with 20 hour days for 20 years. So um, yeah, and it's kind of in my, my blood. My mom's quite similar. She doesn't ever sleep, so. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so 10 years ago, you stopped drinking, things changed. Is that when everything, this whole, your mentality, like just this this current version of Chad, obviously it's a, it's, you know, you lived a life and it all has contributed to it, and, obviously, but. And how hard was that? Yeah. That was an easy decision. Was it, was it easy to follow through? E- only because I knew the outcome was getting back with my family. So mm-hmm. yeah, at the time it was, uh, yeah, quite easy. And uh, so the hard part was the exploration of what happens when you quit drinking, when you've been drinking for 20 years and not, not a not an alcoholic but when you have you know several bars and restaurants i mean you're going to have a beer every day uh and several more on fridays and you know it's it's every day so that became the next exploration for me is what's going to happen once i quit i know i'm quitting but now what's going to happen and um nobody can really tell you that answer either i can tell you that now after 10 years of exploring it there's no real answer but Hmm. um through that, through marriage counseling and uh, all the other things, I, uh, I had to go through the experience of uh, dropping my shell as I was, uh, um, I don't know what the language protocols are on your there channel, but uh, unfuck with ability was the, was the thing that I was shooting for in, in the most, uh, probably about five years ago. But prior to that, I would say that I was uh, solid as a rock because I was impenetrable by any emotion good, bad, or ugly, which obviously wouldn't bode well for a marriage and family. <laughs> and, um, uh, but that was, uh, I went through a therapy session in which, uh, it was kind of like an armadillo opening up and this shell dropped and I'm now just this flopping around raw emotion, um, that I've never felt before. I didn't even know what was going on. And, and the, you know, the counselor just goes, <laughs> the old pick up the phone and say, cancel all my appointments today. I knew I was in trouble. And, uh, so we sat there for hours and tried to just uh, figure things out. I'm like, how do we get back in the shell? She's like, it is gone. You're done. And uh, so that's when I first discovered that um, you got to be careful because sometimes they can open a door, but there's no closing it or they don't know what to do with once they've discovered things behind the door. So you really have to be prepared for uh, keeping down a path once you've opened a door. But uh, yeah, that rawness was so brutal. It was so impossible. You go into a bar or restaurant and people are yelling and screaming and all over you. And I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be anywhere. And uh, it was a really difficult time to try and figure out what emotions were because I'd never had one in my life. And I'm now 40 and uh, discovering these things. So it was, uh, mm. it was, uh, I would, I would highly recommend it, but at the same token, I wish it not on anyone. So it was, uh, yeah, so at that point, it just I just said, screw it, let's do everything then. So anything, anybody that wanted to tell me anything about me, because I didn't know who I was at that point, so now I'm, I basically am, whatever, 10 years old now at this mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, so now it's just a process of leveling up and understanding why and where I came from with that. So, mm. yeah, it's been a massive change in 10 years. Yeah. 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 Like hundreds of hours of therapy of different therapies, any kind of, you know, I was just like, you know, when you, you know, 50 questions to understand yourself, like what's your favorite color? Like I needed to, I don't know. I didn't know anything. I didn't have anything. 
So then so. are you a sucker for those like BuzzFeed <laughs> answer these 11 do, questions do you, and you'll find out are, what are kind you of with the dessert right? you are? Yeah. I yeah. hate those. Yeah. I hate, yeah. actually, I, I hate all personality tests. <laughs> so not to, you know, yeah. uh, so that's big. So 10 years ago that started. You're 10 years old now. You know, you want to talk to anybody and everybody that will tell you who you are. Correct. So who are you? Yeah, I would. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, who am I? And and I, I do truly walk into rooms uh, with that question in my mind um, from other people. And I do like that mirror analogy. You know, when you get up in the morning and you go to put your makeup on, uh, whoever you are. And um, I I often giggle walking around town. I'm just like, look what that human decided to wear today, or look what that human. Like you were in the mirror, you saw that, and that, you walked out. That's why you I'm pointed like, out my NASA shirt. Yeah, earlier. <laughs> like, you put that on on purpose. But <laughs> I'm a grown man wearing a NASA shirt. <laughs> yeah, but it is amazing to think that you look in the mirror for a minute and then you walk out, and that's it. Now, what you what this is, is everyone else's problem for the rest of the day. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to look at it that way. So that's kind of what I do. I just kind of, uh, I, I hope that I'm reflecting um, what I've grown to be. So I guess yeah, that's, yeah. that's my mission, so. That's interesting. But there's also like, I don't know, I, I really enjoy meeting, I, I think we're all fractured in our personalities in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And we, all of us will, will show one side of us ourselves in certain situations and a different side in others. And, um, but I really enjoy people where where there's very little variance, you know, who are who are really similar in all situations. And uh, it's I, I, there's this book I read it 11 years ago. It was like 2000 called Aspire by an author called um, Kevin Hall, I think. Um, we'll have to fact check that. But on it. Anyway, great book. But he uh, he introduced me to the what the word integrity meant. And, uh, and he's like, you know, integrity, we, we will use it synonymous with the word honesty because like, that's not what it, that's not what it means. Um, integrity, the root word of integrity is the same as like, uh, integer and integrate and integral. It means like whole unity one, right? So someone who's, who's got high integrity is someone who's kind of the same, right? In, mm. in, in all these situations, right? There's, there's no fractional, you know, they're not saying one thing over here and, and doing something else over there, but, um, but I do really enjoy people who are the same in all situations. You just kind of know what you're going to get. And I, I, I aspire to be like that, but, um, I, a few things. One, I think you are the same Chad, no matter where you are, who you're with. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I, uh, again, in my, in my recent uh, rebirth, I say, I would say that I've learned to just be who I've built rather than, so yeah, typically at any moment I yeah. should be the same as I yeah, choose yeah. to be rather than yeah. and different. I think, and I would, and I would think that I do, I think typically speaking, someone will not be surprised to see me in different environments generally. And I think you are much the same Gabe, yeah, truly. Thanks. Yeah. It's something um, I think about. It doesn't mean I'm great at it, but I, th you know, I think about it. And I think you're like, also know your audience, know your customer and that kind of thing. I, I think you could be respectful and that might change you know, or whatever it is like based on who you're with or what you're doing. So 
Um, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, not being, uh, not having integrity. I think it's, you know, just like being aware of your surroundings. You sure. Um, Aspire was written by Kevin Hall. Nice. The, <laughs> the full title is Aspire Discovering Your Purpose Through the Power of Words. And I am fascinated by this because it's like, I, I love those, like we were talking about before, right? Uh, everyday low price on, uh, on right. milk where, yeah. the, where the price changes every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I love, so like, I think words really, really, really matter. Um, and I don't feel like I have a, a vast vocabulary but I certainly will look at and dissect like these little, like the words you put into communications and stuff like, well, you've seen it working together and Meg's and. Oh stuff. my gosh. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Right. All right. <laughs> do, do I go down this rabbit hole with you for <laughs> sure. so? I mean, to, get, to, to give listeners just a bit of context around Alex's obsession with certain words. Okay. <laughs> Like so, pogonologist, does he have that word down there? No, I, I don't, don't know. know a lot of words. <laughs> but, but when it comes to like the words that he will allow, you know, in the vernacular around work nicer, is is pretty interesting. So he, if if anyone ever on the team says the word spaces, you know, he no, we do not do spaces. We we're we're not about spaces. And and uh, another <laughs> another <laughs> blacklist <laughs> word. Let's think of them all. Location, he won't, no, we don't have locations. We have outposts. I have a problem with that because I think there's a different definition of the word outpost, but I, I can appreciate, yeah. you know, his commitment to that. And, uh, oh man, we, we went over podcast, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, you are, you are particular when it comes to words. I am. <laughs> now, why is that? You would have put time into that. Like, why would you say location is not a good word? Um, the location, because it feels effectively, it's something that everyone else would do. And what we're trying to do is different than what everyone else is doing. And so trying to find a way to communicate that in as few words as possible, ultimately. I think that's like the, the true essence of what I'm trying to do. Hence space, right? We're not co-working spaces. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's so much more, right? Yeah. You know, it's like now we're also not an events company, but like we occupy a ton of space and we run more events than most companies that I know, right? But it's like, so what are we actually doing? It's like, these are the things that are, these are tools that we use to build community and empower others and um, be a catalyst for other people's stories, right? And, you know, and so if, if we're to say, yeah, come on into the space, co-working space, and that's just what everyone else is using, then, well, how do you communicate a difference? Because ultimately, the best way for people to, like the only way for people to truly know and experience a difference is to actually come in and spend time here. I think what you're trying to get across, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, no, but I, I think trying to get across that you are not a real estate company. Mm -hmm. 
right? That, 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 that's not the currency that you're bringing to the world. That is, that is a, you know, an arrow in your quiver. That's kind of the mechanism. That's the how, but that's not your why. Well, you're creating a category within an already understood scenario. It's, you know, same as Starbucks coming up with Grande and Vente. I mean, the idea Mm -hmm. is it's a coffee and a cup, but um, if you can uh, create a different understanding of a understood category, then you can own that category because you created it. So there's a lot of power to that, uh, but at the same token, do you have to be like I'm sure when people go to Starbucks and they ask for a large, yeah, they don't kick them out of the store. Exactly. There's, there's. You're right. There's a lot of power to it. So long as you can win that and you can build the momentum around it. Otherwise, there's a lot of headwind against it. So, here's here's one on which we prevailed. Right. That was the word podcast. You know, we had. <laughs> You know, Alex wanted to talk nicer on there or something like that, or there was different words for it. But, but talk the, nicer and stories, wasn't it? Stories. Oh I no, think stories. Was the, blog. the blog. Yeah, but at some point you need to like. There's that trade-off of of giving people the word that they're expecting to be able to see, like mm-hmm. that that or user, comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, the user experience, right? If they're looking around on the website, they're like, "Where's the where's the freaking podcast?" Section? Yeah, you know, like I'm just looking for that word, you know. Um, versus, right, rewriting the lexicon. You know, there's there's certainly some give and take on that. A hundred, yeah, you're right, and I'm pretty extreme on some stuff. And you're right, podcast prevailed. Yeah. I think it was talk nicer. It was for a bit. And, and then, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah but let's, that let's, means nothing to anybody. Let's revisit that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, to your point, you know, really, it's a, I, I really, really do truly believe that words matter. But again, talking to me, I'll use simple words in re- repetition, like really, which like word lovers <laughs> and communicators and authors and writers, you know, like I don't speak the way that like powerful writers may write. Um, but I think if you read the stuff that I write, it's the kind of thing where you may not look at it and be like, oh my God, I can't believe this writing, right? It's not winning awards, but I think that it's feeling different than a lot of the other stuff that people will read, but they may not know it necessarily, right? It's not like the kind of thing when you go through it and you're like, wow, I feel different after reading that than reading some co-working spaces <laughs> uh, equivalent, right? Yeah, I, no, I get it. You're going for a feeling, yeah. right? You, and, and essentially any communication is trying to get across ideas and feelings. And as marketers, we're trying to invoke feelings, mm-hmm. right? And, and the words you use. But yeah, I mean, often the most flowery language is the least provocative, right? Or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or emotion stirring, you know, and so for sure, yeah. And how do you, how do you craft it that what you are experiencing, and then you're going to share that feeling in words that may not resonate exactly with how someone else is experiencing and right. getting the feeling of. So that's where language becomes very tricky and hard to yeah create the the symmetry of a word or words that are going to create a common theme for most. So back to imagery, right? And, and again, to the human language where if you have an image that everyone looks at it and gets the same emotion, but a different experience, then maybe mm-hmm. you've nailed it. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Well, even then, I mean, even certain images, someone might have like all kinds of affinity towards, but then, you know, for another, it might trigger some sort of trauma. Snake cap. I don't know. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Have you watched Ted Lasso? Yes. So I started on the Ted Lasso path when we were trying to understand, um, gratitude in a different way really early on and and it didn't really come to fruition until Ted Lasso came out but that just seemed to put it in context of understanding that um, there's a guy that understands what's going on he can read the moment he can see someone maybe against him or whatever but that's not what puts him down he just plows through that and he's he, 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 I think he looks at it at the end that there will be a gratitude moment in there and whether that's him getting to share that experience or, or grow that person or he gets to learn a bit of a lesson but uh, great, right. great show right. it is a great show Yeah, where are you going with that? Um, talking about imagery and how things can mean something different right and there's countless examples of this but there's this one clip so Ted Lasso moves across the ocean and he's away from his family and his son sends him a bag of green army men, right? And these green army men are meant to keep him safe, right? And it's like adorable, and he's got this little like army man like sitting on his desk all the time. And Ted goes and like, gives them to other people, right? Because he's got a bag of army men. What's he gonna do with a hundred of these things? And so he's giving these people, and he wants them to be safe too. And it's cool and it's cute, and the show's brilliant. They do such a great job with taking. But there's a, a build up to that moment, like when he gives that army person to the person it has been a journey behind that and both of them uh, you know whoever it is he's given to understands the moment of that army person it's not like he just met someone and gives them to him and this is someone that's gone on an emotional roller coaster and he's been on a, a neighboring coaster beside them and he's saying look i get you i'm with you I'm here to protect you or, or whatever that might have stood for. But mm. yeah, but there's so much behind that little army man. Uh, it's well, pretty crazy. Context. Yeah, actually, and good point. So it's like you got these two people that, but then, so Ted gives Sam this army man and Sam grew up in Nigeria. And it's like this really touching moment where he gives it to him and Sam oh, yeah. is like really thankful for it. But then he just kind of just, nonchalantly and in a little bit of a humorous way just give he's like can i give this back because i don't have the same affection for the u.s <laughs> army as you do yeah. ted's like oh right yeah. <laughs> and he takes away and it moves on yeah but it's like such a neat like this this what the show is brilliant it really is in terms of how it's written and those little things and like there's so much less and they somehow make it comedic um but it's to good. your point that you know a little green army man is like this thing that gets Ted through and it's for Sam. It's just, this is why I'm not in Nigeria. Like there's, you know. well, there's a couple of things. Yeah. I love that. Like one, you know, this, this symbolizes protection of one person and symbolizes an oppressor for another. Exactly. Right. And that, but I also love your point too. Like, Hey, the reason, yeah, there's this buildup. There's this backup. I, I, I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell fan. I love Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. I love him too. He's got this episode. Yeah. On his podcast, I think the episode is called King of Tears, and he talks about he's comparing the difference between rock lyrics versus country lyrics. And and the basic premise of the whole episode is how much more details, you know, details in the story um, can invoke 
emotion because there's just so much more rich context around it and the, and the context can really draw it out where a lot of the rock music is is going for this very esoteric or kind of weird poetry thing and and he's like it just doesn't create the same emotions that that country lyrics can because mm -hmm. of the detail in there right mm -hmm. and the, the context mm. malcolm gladwell did you read the talking to strangers I haven't read it yet Hell that is was it? a fun one. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It, it changes your perception on, again, back to talking about humans and your, you know, uh, another guy is uh, Vishen talks about code of the extraordinary man. He talks about rules, these bullshit rules put out by humans. Oh. And uh, I love that book. But anyways, um, same sort of thing with Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about the judicial system, system and, and how, you know, at the end of it, almost flipping a coin is better than any jury in the country. Wow. as to if this person's guilty or not because of what we understand and what we see in front of us and biases and all that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, he always breaks things down in a very different view. David and Goliath. Oh, it was brilliant. I love like, it. Well, it's totally crazy to think of it as, you know, Goliath never stood a chance, you know. It's, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, yeah. and his he did an episode too on, on the Boston Tea Party that blew my mm -hmm. mind. I'm like, oh wow, that is a completely different set of facts, and <laughs> you know, and a completely different story around what like. But anyway. that's what kids have to do today. Like kids growing up today now have to attach that look to anything they read on the internet. Like yeah. if you don't Malcolm Gladwell the crap out of something, that's right. You're getting a flawed perspective because mm -hmm. you're getting the one percent on Twitter's opinion and you're getting the marketer's story the marketer's spin the marketer's story, what they want you to believe yeah yeah and if you if you can't read through it or you can't challenge it by going well what are the other 52 pages on the internet saying not just this one paragraph yeah and you don't spend time on it back to hospitality <laughs> 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 what do you see because you've seen okay let me back up so hospitality more than just like restaurants, right? I think a lot of people just think that yeah, hospitality is simply like yes, we serve food, but clearly it's somewhat like for you, it's it's spiritual almost, right? So, what do you see as um, the future of hospitality? Where we're at, where we're going, what's changing? Whether that's in the world of a pandemic or a world of the way that humans interact with each other whether that's you know maybe it's about pubs or maybe it's not hospitality is always changing and and i wouldn't say it's it, it like it gets identified or tagged with an industry but i don't think it's an industry it's it's a I thing agree. so and it's an experience or uh, so i mean to give it an example would be uh you're you're i mean this happened probably three days ago and i i mean i kind of just now I, I notice hospitality all the time. So I'm, I'm going, I was going to the coffee shop. I'm going to open the door, but I'm putting my mask on. And as I'm putting my mask on, there's a guy standing there and he says, oh, do you need a hand with the door? Well, my hands were tied up putting my mask on is why I walked up to the door and stopped. So I guess, yes, I did. But at the same token, I was like, well, no, I can, I can manage the door. But so, but in the meantime, the guy grabs the door handle, pulls the door open. So as I'm putting my mask on, I go in. He didn't come in behind me. He wasn't going in the coffee shop, but he opened the door for me, knowing mm -hmm. that either I was tied up. And so that to me is a moment of hospitality where we shared in a moment of two people 
And then at that same time, I get up to the till and I turn and there's a lady that's in a moment and she's got her coffee cup and she's heading out the door and she hits the door. Now there's two more people walking and they're almost within arm's reach of the door when it's open. But she opens it like straight on, sees the people coming because you're walking right towards the same door they're coming at. She hits the door, walks out and goes to her car. Well, the door only had the opportunity to open up as wide as she was and then close again. But she had, she'd taken that one more second to keep that door open for someone else. That's hospitality, right? Mm -hmm. So, so where's hospitality going? I think it's just going to be this understanding of people. Once they come out of COVID and people are comfortable coming back and we're creating spaces where people can enjoy hospitality again, whatever that is, wherever you are, I think it's going to be a massive movement again, back to connecting with people, sharing moments and all those sort of things. I think all of that falls under hospitality, whether that's in a hotel or in a cafe or in a bookstore or mm -hmm. here in a podcast room. So hospitality is, is it's never gonna go away, but it's always changing. And, and I think at the moment it's, it's gonna be, it's like the movie draft or whatever, when it is, you open the door and then all of a sudden the fire gets bigger. I think once uh, this goes away a little bit and we're able to open our doors more, I, I think it's gonna be a massive movement to mm -hmm. people getting to spare time. Speaking of, I, I'm curious, just you're a guy who was in the hospitality business pre-social media mm -hmm. and, um, and post-social media. From your perspective, has has humanity's hospitality shifted in any way? You know, before and after that, like our. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is online people can just be complete jerks, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and do they keep it there, or does that somehow, or are they now bringing that into the real world? You know, from hospitality. Perspective? Well, they can't bring it in the real world because face to face, they'd never say it or do it or anything mm -hmm. else. So online um when you look at platforms that have that ability it um it's it's not good for anybody because the only person winning is the the fear-mongering or the negative person because they're getting to fuel that negative inside them look at me i stuck it to that that server who got a text and her text was that my dog died at the same time she's walking up to the table now i know they're not supposed to have their phones on them but i can't stop all these things mm -hmm. so she goes up to the table knowing that a moment ago her her dog passed away now she's got to serve you human to human in that moment and and it's not good for her and and conversely it's not good for you either so the my achilles heel is that moment um but you're going to take it online and go oh brutal this place is brutal uh, you never go to this place again. It is brutal. Now, a slight converse is if that experience was unbelievable, you'll remember the server's name and you go, go there because Julie is great. So in both circumstances, the business gets screwed because I don't get any recognition for great work and I get all the recognition mm. for bad work. So it's mm. interesting how business gets perceived in all those sort of things. So, mm. yeah. So, but when you dial it right back to, to a human element and just understand this is a person. Yes, I hired them, I trained them, I gave them a hundred hours of understanding their experience, all these sort of things. But that moment at the table, I can't control it. And that's, that's where there's a beauty in that and understanding that too, where you're in that moment. You're like, this will not happen next time I come or Maybe it will be slightly different or, I mean, that experience is yours each time. 
And it's slightly your fault, whatever it is too. Because if she's having a bad day and you choose to let her have a bad moment at your table, that's your choice. I mean, you can, you can change that around. Maybe she's bad at every table but yours too. I mean, or maybe he's better at all of them. I mean, it's, right. you can't impact that as a customer. Oh, it's your experience. Sure. What do you want out of it? Yeah. Do you want to write a blog about it two hours later? Or do you want to ask the manager to go over and go, she's just, you know, they're just having a bad day. I'm taking it. You're like, yeah, here's what happened. Oh, let's do make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I like what you said. No matter what goes into it, you can't control that moment. And it reminded me of this story of, you know, Wagyu beef and just how much effort everything goes into it. Right, creating it, um, you know, raising and you know, butchering and shipping, and you know, it's hours, hundreds, and hours, and so much money, and everything goes into it. And you can like train, and it's served at high-end restaurants. You got great chefs that are teaching their people how to do it. And this just happened, so happens to be a restaurant-type story. Um, but then, um, if you burn it, then what? Right. So it's like right up until the very end, it's whether that's you can't control that final moment, despite like how much it has went into it. And then what do you do? That's a big part of business. I don't I don't think people have spent enough time to truly discern down what their Achilles heel is. What's what is what is the one thing that no matter what you do, you cannot control? And what's the biggest thing that's going to impact you? Hmm. And um, I think when you. Hmm. can find that there's ways around it well or and, help mitigate it and yeah it might be optimistic to think you only have one or two achilles heels well right? there's one major one though there'll be one that topples everything mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah like truly yeah. one like one that's it like find it it's like finding your why i mean there is right. one why for you and there's one problem that is your problem hmm. and uh but it's building a better mousetrap or asking better questions and being able to critically think around it and that art is going away in a hurry. Mm. I'm just sitting here thinking, I wouldn't know how to answer that question. What is my Achilles heel? Exactly. I'd imagine it'd be something similar to what you were saying, given that I believe we too are in the hospitality industry. Not believe we are, but I couldn't answer it. Yeah. I got homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Mine too. I think we get a little over, I don't know. You'll change your experience when you find it because then you'll be like, okay, hold on. <laughs> you know, how do we... How did you find it? What did you do to... What did you do to find it? Well, it was it, it, it was that just that exploration of it doesn't matter how much you market or how much you do those things. Like it just comes down to that moment at the table. And uh, I guess it was just kind of walking through what people's experiences at any of our establishments and from start to finish what is the one thing that really um and and i can't remember what uh, book i was reading at the time that was talking about um they didn't mention it as being achilles heel but it was their one problem and and so that helped me kind of just go what is my one problem like what's the one thing uh, you gets talked about, but what's the one problem that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if it took you three months to figure it out, the time spent on that one problem solves years worth of work. So right. the three months were worth looking at one problem rather than solving every problem every day. 
Well, I wonder too if there might be kind of the one, I mean, if you were to d drill in a little bit, if there's going to be one problem in different areas, you know, when you talk about the one, I'm reminded of the story of, of Airbnb realizing, you know, they had this one problem, this one, they called it their monster. And it was the word stranger. And, um, and, you know, but it was it that monster existed in the minds of their prospects, you know, and that was, I don't know if I can wrap my head around having a stranger stay in my home, hmm. or I don't know if I can wrap my head around s staying in a stranger's home. And so they, they did this whole campaign of one less stranger, but that, that, that was a marketing problem. That, that was a uh, perception problem. Right. Where or they, a sales problem. Yeah. Yeah. Sales problem. Yeah. Where they're going to have some other like Achilles heels on the operational side, right? That, that no matter how good the marketing is, like you said, if they don't deliver on the, on the brand promise and they can't execute, then they're in some serious trouble. Maybe for work nicer. I'm just thinking if you're, you're working hard not to sell spaces and locations or be in this real estate and you're trying to really build a community, if someone comes and joins up and is expecting community and does not get community and gets mm -hmm. nothing but spaces to work out of, then you have not executed on your brand promise. Yep. I, I guess. I don't know. Well, a hundred and that's where, yeah, that's where you go. It's like, you know, yeah, delivering on what you say, right. And giving people a great experience, but it sounds like those, like, so what Chad is saying though, in a way it's like, this is the unsolvable thing. Yeah, no matter what, I'm, I'm always going to be stuck with it for me. It will always be the Achilles heel. Now we Got can it. get better at it. We can understand that it is. We you can, can do stuff to mitigate. That's and reduce right. But at the it, end of the day, can't go away. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. So for you guys, for example, it may be easier to explore it if you looked at the perception of what happens when someone does go through your process. And it's interesting to go back and be a person looking for a space mm -hmm. and really take your complete hat off and walk through the system at the very beginning, go online, look it up, do a booking, see all those sort of steps and, uh, and make sure that the experience that you're, you're getting is, is what you wanted them to see as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can, th I mean, I can think of a million, probably a million, okay, maybe not a million, lots of, <laughs> There's a lot of breakpoints. There is a lot, of, a lot of things need to go right. Right, yeah. but I do wonder what would happen if you could truly define that Achilles heel. It would clean up a lot of those problems, right? And then all of a sudden, you just run through that filter, mm -hmm. right? It just makes that decision. It's not easy to find. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. It right? won't be, and it shouldn't be, hmm. because it's embedded in, covered up with other problems. Okay, we're bringing you in to run a run a session with absolutely i love whiteboarding yeah that'd be fun yeah for real it's on it's on the internet now so it has to happen <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a really nice place to wrap up yeah personally okay. is there anything else i honestly i feel like chad's one of those guys we could probably talk on a thousand different oh, God, topics yeah. and <laughs> and have some fun exploring those ideas so yeah i'd say i'd say that's a good spot Chad, is there anything else that you want to say? No, it was, uh, thanks for uh, the invite. So, yeah. Is it too late for people to buy chickens? Yeah, <laughs> chickens closed. Chickens closed. Okay. <laughs> All right. We may run another session, though, because we've got a lot of people already that have like picked some up and they want more. So right. maybe in the spring we'll run another one. So. 
Okay. You'll well, be the first it, to know. And with all this free advertising from the Terrific Progress. Well, because normally podcast. we'd say, like, hey, make sure this you This is Torpedo's this. Water Club, by the way. They uh, <laughs> any Anybody that graciously wants to just support, we're happy to take it. So. Well, I mean, just uh, in case, you know, some listeners are really appreciative of, of the wisdom you're imparting here, they can they can support you by eating at... Yeah, t- Kilton Caber, Point and Feather, yeah. uh, Bank and Baron downtown, as Alex has mentioned, uh, Brown Social House, we've got two in town. And uh, yeah, if you go on the website, look up TMAC Group, that's what we're involved in. So nice. all there. So. Yeah. Go support them. Bur- go go Bur- support them. Public House. Yeah. Yeah, or Barrack, however you want to say it. You, Barrack, as a wordsmith. What are they? <laughs> I t- the Barrack, Barrack upon Tweed. You don't know the story? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> uh, well, know. it's a fifty-fifty. Most people, including a lot of the, uh, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Black Bull, King's Head, the Point. Is that was that the Point and Feather? Yep. And then now it's now yeah. it's the Point. Yeah. Tommy Field, mm-hmm. right? Which is a good one. Down south, Gabe, you wouldn't know where that is. No. Blackbird, twenty-five fifteen. That's our draft beer. Yeah, as I say, that's a beer. Yep. Cool. Super. And cool. it sounds like there's more that maybe isn't on here that well, you never know. In, but yeah, yeah. Um, Chad, this is fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for embarrassing me at the last <laughs> minute. <laughs> and uh, oh, sorry, I, I've been holding back for hours here. Keep, yeah, <laughs> keeping it humble. Yeah, yeah that is fair. Um, truly, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. And uh, if people do want to reach out to you, are you on social media? At yeah, all? yeah. Fun? They don't have to probably look too far. So LinkedIn or all right, Twitter and all. I don't really tweet out, but uh, but if they so inclined to reach me they can sweet yeah. awesome amazing um, awesome. thanks so much and yeah. that'll wrap it up thanks guys